it's all about the data uh, through those trends to see what's going to be the best place to invest. You know, yeah. if you're just picking a place just because you like the name or something, uh, you know, maybe it'll turn out all right for you. But uh, the investors that really focus on using data-driven decisions are going to really put themselves in a place where they're going to make the most money. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, as always, we got Matt Jones. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm having a great day today. How are you doing, Todd? Doing excellent. Always, always, definitely. Um, you know, just in, just enjoying some life. Uh, we've got some uh, fun camping trips coming up, so we're excited about that. Although we sold, so we had a little pop up camper, and we've had it for the last couple of years. And at first, I kind of fought getting it. I didn't want to. I like tenting, and uh, so I fought getting it. We got the pop up, and we got two little kids, and the pop up has been great. <laughs> it's been awesome. It's got air conditioning, which is really nice when it's 98 degrees and like humid. Well, we sold our pop-up because my wife wants to get something different, but we don't have that something different. So now we're going to be tenting again. So it'll be fun. Um, back to the, back to the tent. I'm hoping it's not like a hundred degrees outside, but it'll be good. So next couple of weeks, uh, that's what we're doing. We're just hanging out in the woods. It'll be fun. Sweet. Yeah. Well, you, anything new with you? Oh, so I'm, I, my wife had COVID and I probably had COVID too, but uh, today is my first day off of quarantine. So that's good. So I can get out and about right. and take care of some stuff. And you were saying you're, you're feeling pretty good. You, you never got crazy sick and your wife never got crazy sick, which is good. Um, but you guys are both kind of back, back to normal. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Our, our symptoms were mild, uh, thankfully. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's good. It's a blessing. Um, well, let's, uh, let's talk about today's topic. We want to talk about picking markets, picking sub markets and, uh, you know, how do you do that stuff? Yep. And I think especially important now because of the, the dark horse event of COVID happening, it sort of upended some you know, people's plans for different markets, uh, because some markets are doing, you know, not so good right now with COVID. So you have to be especially picky with the markets that you're going to choose. Yep. Yeah. One of the things, um, that you can do, quite frankly, Matt, is figure out what, what U-Haul is doing and where the most activity with U-Haul is. The cities, um, where are they renting them and where are they dropping them? Um, I think that's definitely a, a way to be looking at it. That's going to give you an idea of the trends. So that's, that's definitely one way to look at seeing who's moving into from one city to the next. And how can you get that data? Uh, yeah, U-Haul provides that data. They, they have that data. You can go, I think you can go right on their website, quite frankly, and get that. Uh, there's other third-party reports that will actually report on U-Haul themselves um, too. So, um, so that's, that's one way. And then, of course, there's always – the, the city trends themselves that you want to be looking at, right? We want to see where population growth is happening. Yeah, I think that's a key factor. I mean, if, if a city is dying, then uh, if you're going to have uh, too much supply for the market, and um, not, gonna, not a good place to invest. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, and you know, the, the problem with, you know, so here, here's the deal. Uh, as a real estate investor, I want to invest in my own backyard first. Like that's the easiest, right? You're going to probably, I shouldn't say get the best results, but if everything's equal, if all, if all chips are equal, investing in your own backyard is the best. It just is. Um, but even within your own backyard, you've got certain areas, certain markets that are going to be better than others. So, you know, I live in the, the north kind of east suburbs of the Twin Cities. Well, is that where the growth is? Is that where all the, the trends are? Not necessarily. You know, there are some, there is some growth and there is some trends in, in kind of my area. But when I look at the Twin Cities as a whole, the trends are more to the west, right? And to the southwest, in, in particular, west and southwest. And so you want to dig in. And it's not every, it's not just a straight line. It's not perfect. It's not like, oh, we've got anything south and west, we're good. It's not necessarily that simple. So we still want to dig in to the trends. So first, you know, backyard's great. Let's, but let's dig in. Like, okay, let's look at the Twin Cities as a whole. I can invest in the Twin Cities, but at is investing in, you know, let's call it uh, South Minneapolis, Phillips neighborhood. Is that the best place to invest? Maybe, maybe not. We want to look exactly, is that right? Or is investing in a city like, you know, let's call it Eden Prairie. Is that the best one? You know, so we want to look at the whole data, the whole trends. And we also want to look at a lot of what's going on in the city itself and all that. So we'll dive into kind of those strategies today. And I think you touched on the key point here is it's all about the data uh, through those trends to see what's going to be the best place to invest. You know, yeah. if you're just picking a place just because you like the name or something, uh, you know, maybe it'll turn out all right for you. But uh, the investors that really focus on using data-driven decisions are going to really put themselves in a place where they're going to make the most money. So I made this mistake when I first was kind of looking at what markets to invest in. And quite frankly, they've turned out pretty decent still yet. But the mistake that I made, it was just going, oh, I like this city. It's got all the factors that I'm looking for. So I like this city, right? And then I put a blanket statement over that city and go, I want to find properties within that metro area. And that's it. And that's what I'm looking for. But I'm not necessarily digging even deeper. And that was a mistake that I made. So just because you like a city, you like an area, if you like the Twin Cities, well, it's a big area. You know, Columbia Heights is different than Edina. And so we have to know what's within our city. You know, I invest in Cincinnati. Well, even in Cincinnati, if you look at the city as a whole, we've got, you know, uh, Westwood and we've got, um, you know, I, I don't know, name a, a different neighborhood. There's, there's bunches of them over the Rhine, you know, so we've got different, totally different, two different, you know, trends going on, totally different markets. And we're going to have different results within the city itself. So don't, we want to start at a, at a large level. Like, you know, we want to say, okay, I like, I like Texas because I like, you know, they're, they're job friendly, they're driving in, but okay. But what does that mean? Texas is a huge state, you know, is one area of Texas better than the other? 
And then, okay, maybe I pick Houston. Okay, well, then is Houston the whole, you know, are we talking the whole metro? Or are we actually talking one or a couple few areas of Houston? Like, where is the progress? That's really important. Yeah. And I would say, uh, you know, if somebody's just starting out, choose like maybe five to seven or so markets that you like, and then do a deeper dive into different criteria and maybe even rank order those different criteria to see like, what is the best market of these um, so that you're, you're not making a, a subjective decision, but rather an objective based on evidence. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to clarify, cause I, I know you kind of said this, well, I just want to clarify since you did mention five markets, but I want to make sure people didn't misunderstand what you said is we're not telling you to take five markets and start really trying to find properties in those five markets. What Matt was saying is find five markets and dive into those markets. And then, as he said, choose the best market to then focus on. So make sure you're not focused on five markets. Okay. We can, we can kind of dive in and look at those five markets and go, okay, I really like Jacksonville, Florida. That's my market. And I'm going to focus on that. And then we can dive into Jacksonville. And then we can go, okay, I like the east side of Jacksonville, east of the river, and I like the north, you know, whatever quadrant of that part of the east side. And so we can really then dive in and start to go, okay, this is where I want to be. Exactly. The more focused your efforts are, the better results you're going to find. You know, there's over 19,000 cities across the United States. If you try analyzing and investing in all of them, you know, <laughs> It's just, you're not going to, you're going to be spinning your wheels the whole time. Yeah, that's just it. And, and Matt, I mean, you know, we, we want to focus. I think that's so important. And I get like, some people are going, oh, but if I focus, then there's not as much opportunity. And then I can't, you know, how do I, how do I find properties if there's not much opportunity? I, you know, I get that, but there's going to be, better opportunity if you actually focus on certain cities on certain areas and you can always expand and and grow and go to an additional city or two you want to be very cautious very careful and and not just expand for that that you know reason but if you can focus and be niched you're going to have more success than if you're just a well, let's just find the best deal. It doesn't matter where it's at type of person. If you're just looking for a deal, you're not going to find a deal unless you're truly, truly focused. Yeah. There's that saying that uh, if you chase two rabbits, you're not going to catch either one. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I've never heard that, but yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. And you know, the, the other thing too, is you have to build a team, right? You have to have property management companies, lenders, uh, you have to get to know the brokers, all that stuff and, and more is so important to your success. And if you're in five different cities, well, excuse me, you're just not going to be successful unless you've got a team, right? A big team. And you've been doing this for a while. So the companies that you see that are in five, six, eight, ten 10 cities, well, yeah, but they've got, you know, 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 units, right? or they're partnering with people in those cities. They're not just going in blindly. It just doesn't happen. Yep, exactly. 
So we mentioned a couple of trends to look at already, uh, unemployment and population growth. What are some other key factors that you look at? Well, let, let's talk, let's stick with, uh, with job and unemployment. I mean, that, that's number one, right? Mm-hmm. So job creation is, is the, in my opinion, the most important factor. So maybe you've got this, you know, COVID is going to change some trends, right? People are going to try to move for various reasons. But the, in my opinion, a lot of that's short term, because if the jobs aren't there, you're not going to be able to, to stay there, right? It's just not sustainable unless you've got a mobile job or a job where you can work from home. But even so, is that a lasting trend? I'm not so sure that I'm going to jump on that board yet that says that trend's going to be you know, lasting forever. Everybody's working from home. I think there's a small percentage that will, and, and that's going to uptake, right? But I'm not ready to jump on the bandwagon that says, yep, uh, everybody can live anywhere. You have to find the cities that have jobs, right? And so if the city you're looking at is not creating jobs, don't invest there. Look, you can go on the internet, you can search, you can just just certain keywords, simple keywords, job growth, new companies coming into whatever city. Uh, and look at the employment data. Um, you can type in search like employment data, future growth, right? So we can get the projections. Um, and then there's, of course, like you, you go on to the Met Council, you go on the Channel Commerce, and then big uh, brokerages like Marks Millichap, CBRE, Colliers, uh, they've got a ton of information to, to uh, Bureau of Labor and Statistics. Now that's more arduous. That takes more time, but you can dive in. And of course, then there's paid reports as well. CoStar has a lot of good paid reports and there's all kinds of other paid reports. City data is, is great. Uh, neighborhood Scout is a, is got really good data. They are, you do have to pay, but it's fairly affordable. So you really want to look at what jobs are driving into? I think that's super important, Matt. I don't want just any job. I want, I want a good mix of jobs, but I want some like middle management, upper management. Because guess what they do? They might be buying houses, but they're then creating more jobs that those people aren't necessarily buying houses; they're renting. And uh, especially job diversity is good to have in the market too. So we look at Detroit, what happened with the great recession where Mm -hmm. they had, you know, a lot of auto industry jobs. And when that went belly up, Detroit, you know, crashed hard. So, you know, if you have a place that only has one type of job as their main thing, then you're maybe it's going to be okay or, but maybe you're putting yourself at a great risk. That's unnecessary. So more, more diversity there are in jobs, the more it can absorb one type of job uh, evaporating versus the other. Yeah, I love it, man. Um, that's a great point. Thanks for bringing that up because, yeah, job diversity is huge. You know, 20, if we have much over 20%, you know, 25% is kind of like the max we want in any one industry. So where you mentioned Detroit, like, look, their manufacturing is like massive. And, and even like di- digging in deeper, like they, they were auto manufacturing. Like, man, they, they talk about a, a city that has no diversity. And then we all know the story and what happened. You know, a city like Cleveland, very similar. Uh, you know, not quite as 
as prep as known and like as easy to see as Detroit. But you know, there's a lot of cities that were like that. They were so heavy in the manufacturing that as manufacturing got kind of shipped out, those cities that you know, where are you gonna go? You gotta go somewhere else. You gotta find a different job. Yep, exactly. Um, I, I also like to see markets with, you know, some uh, key top employers as well. You know, if there's a Amazon major hub or a Tesla electronic car factory that employs like big groups of people, uh, you know, those are, are growing companies and they're doing well. Uh, so, you know, help, you know, cities with, with those kind of hubs are, are really good in my mind. Yeah, that's true. You know, when, when you look at, so the, most of the top cities that are typically come up as, as great places to invest as being like historically just good. Uh, you look at it and go, well, they've got, they've got mainstays, right? They've got these bigger companies, the fortune 500 companies that are big drivers, right? And, and not, again, not necessarily in the same industry, but they're big drivers. So they have these bigger companies or, companies that are really kind of growing, changing the and disruptive, uh, like your Tesla. Um, th- those are obviously important to have in your city. They're mainstays, they're strong, and they've got big campuses too. So it's really hard for them just to up and leave. Now, do they sometimes? Yes, but it's really hard for a big corporation to just up and leave when they've got a huge campus like what are you going to do with that campus? Right. They got nothing they can do. And so they typically stay because the cost is just too much for them to move. So those are, that's really important as well, for sure. Another factor, uh, supply and demand, I think goes hand in hand with population growth as well as uh, mm-hmm. jobs. Uh, you know, if you, if there are more uh, apartments in a, in a market than there are uh, people that are looking for places then yeah. uh, you know, that's no go. Um, yeah. And we want to look at like where these deliveries are actually happening. You know, what, what kind of, what, what kind of apartments are coming in? So is it A class, B class, C class, but also like, where are they going? And I'll talk about Minneapolis because that's where we're from. And I mean, Matt, where have most of the apartments been built over the last decade, really? Uh, yeah. North Loop is seen like a huge amount of growth. Uh, you know, Northeast is starting to as well. Uh, downtown. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of stuff there too. Yeah. And, and so that's Minneapolis. I mean, mi- the urban core has been seeing the bulk of the apartments and, you know, do you really want to buy or build where the bulk of it's been or, you know, is that maybe a little higher risk? I mean, we've got a little absorption problem potentially happening. So, you know, trends are maybe saying that, it is good, so pay close attention to it, but you also have to pay attention to the deliveries that are coming in the market. So it's not necessarily even your entire market, right? Sometimes just an area gets overbuilt and that area struggles to keep up with, you know, the the amount of units that are coming in. They, not enough people are trying to move into that and it gets overbuilt. So you might still have a strong market, but it might be just a soft sub-market within there. So pay attention to that too. Exactly. 
Uh, and there's also, uh, you know, the local laws, like what are the, the taxes like uh, yeah. for a particular market and, and is it landlord friendly or are they, you know, making all these restrictions that are making it impossible to really be successful? Uh, you, know, you know, that's sort of, a, I label those as, as miscellaneous uh, items of, uh, yeah, they're, they're important to know, but they're not necessarily going to be a deal breaker, uh, but they are a factor you want to consider. Yeah, I mean, look, if you're going to, what was it? Was it Portland or Seattle? I can't remember. One of the one of the towns on the on the west coast, Portland or Seattle, they put in a uh, restriction that you can't raise rents. I think it's greater than eight percent if the building is built prior to a certain year, and that's right around ten years old. Uh, you can't raise the rent more than eight percent. You go, well, eight percent—that's pretty healthy. It is, I agree, but what happens if you buy a building that was built in 1970 that needs a total facelift and you were planning on putting, you know, $12,000 per unit in it um, and, you know, you could raise rents by $350 a month. Well, that's no longer possible in a city like Seattle or Portland, whatever that city was. Um because you can only do it 8% per year. And so now that just stops your business plan. Now that's good or it sounds good for the tenants, right? Because you can't just jack the rents up. However, that has some negative implications because it doesn't allow a city and an area to improve, to gentrify. It kind of forces landlords to keep the units outdated and maybe even causes some landlords to not want to put any money into the, the building, which is obviously not the direction that the city was intending that to go, but it does have those consequences. So if you as a buyer have to look at that and realize, oh, ew, I can't do my business plan in this city like I plan, maybe I have to do it somewhere else. And I, I don't know. I'm not super versed in the, in that rule. Maybe it's just the city core. So maybe you can still invest in the suburbs. That might be the case. Minneapolis again is putting in a lot of restrictions. St. Paul put in a ton of restrictions, but it doesn't mean that all of the surrounding little suburbs are being affected by it negatively. In fact, they're probably being affected by it in a positive way. Exactly. I mean, so you, if you just go outside those areas, you can still get the benefit uh, of the, the population, um, but uh, without those extra restrictions. Yep. Yeah. And, and that kind of goes along too with the next thing is government planning, um, Matt. It's really important, I think, to understand what the government is doing and not only just with rental housing, but what are they doing to bring in new industry? What are they doing to develop relationships with companies? How are they envisioning the future? Uh, every city has a master plan. You can find it right on their website. And they have a vision for the future. So what are they doing? What type of areas in the cities are they targeting? Where do they want the development to go? Uh, are, they, are there big restrictions on development? Right? Uh, how easy is it to get a permit? How, e how easy is it to build? What are the costs and, and kind of negatives of that? You want to look at that and go, okay, well, geez, there really hasn't been any new whatever um, office space being built in 
Minneapolis because of this, right? Because the city is so restrictive on it. Ooh, do I really want to be building apartments in this city that's so restrictive that nobody wants to move their business in here? You know, maybe I'll shy away from that. Or maybe it's the opposite, right? And so you want to look at their comprehensive plan, what their path of progress, what their vision is. And then I think the other thing too is a lot of cities have like nonprofits too. And nonprofits like Cincinnati, one thing that attracted me to Cincinnati, they had a, it was called Ready Cincinnati. And they're trying to really attract businesses in there. The Chamber of Commerce in Lexington, Kentucky is really, really a driver and tries to attract businesses into the city. So how proactive are nonprofits, are companies, and is the government on attracting new business and making the city a better place? Good. And I would say, you know, if you're going to be raising money from investors for big projects, uh, you know, being able to iron out you know, one or maybe two at the most markets that you really are going to focus on, like all these things, all this data that you compiled, you can use this to sell the, the, the deal to your investors because you say like look this this market is great because x y and z you know job growth uh you know population growth and so on and so forth yeah i mean great point you know this data is not only important for you to know that you're getting into the right city you're getting the right sub market you're getting the right investment but it's important to your investors to understand like that you're that they're putting their money in the right city and the right sub market and the right investment. And to know that you have done the research that you have gotten the data that backs that up. Uh, that's going to be really important. Like you said, definitely. Exactly. Um, what am I, what am I forgetting Matt? Population age. Oh, that's yeah. Good point. We definitely want to look at population age and that, that can play into our strategy. So you know, maybe our population age is, is a older population. Well, that might be senior housing. Uh, if it's younger generation, of course, um, that's going to play a big factor, likely into population growth. Um, and that's going to play a big factor in the type of apartments I can build as well, where I'm going to, or, or buy, where I'm going to buy. You know, if we've got a very young generation, that closer to the city is going to be more important. If we've got a little bit older, a lot of family generation, well, I want uh, more suburb, you know, type housing. So, uh, another thing too, that we haven't talked about, I think this is important in my opinion, especially in today's market where we have the lack thereof is affordability. I want to find, I, I want to find a market that has true rent affordability. I think that's really important because if I'm finding a market that has my tenants paying 30, 35% of their income towards rent. Well, then they can't, I can't raise rents on them because they can't afford anymore. But if I've got a city that's charging, uh, you know, that's on average uh, 15 to 20%, I know I've got some room for growth. I know that as a recession hits, it's not going to put massive pressure on my rents, right? My rents aren't going to go way down. And some people are like, oh, rents will never go down. Guess what they will, okay? They can't. So don't be naive and think that rents can't go down. I hear, I hear it a lot. It's crazy how much I hear it. Um, so yeah, we definitely want to look at affordability. Like I think that's a key factor. I, I'm not just looking for the cheapest rents. And I'm not just looking for who's got the 
best rent affordability because I want all the other things to be in play. But that is definitely a key factor. I will not invest in San Francisco because there's no rent affordability. They've got a lot of the other metrics, okay? But I, there's no way. I'm not going to invest in there because there's no rent affordability. I just don't feel good with that type of market. And I don't feel good charging my tenants 50% of their income towards rent. So that just doesn't make me feel any good. So I want a city where, look, housing affordability makes sense. Exactly. So people need to have, um, you know, high enough medium income uh, to be able to afford the rent. And yeah. uh, that way, you know, everybody's going to be on the up and up. You know, tenants are going to be happy. You're going to be happy. Uh, and things will be more smooth. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, where do we find this data? Um, I've already mentioned some stuff, but you've got the Bureau of Labor Statistics. You've got the, um, you've got the big brokerages. Don't, don't discount them. So like I said, so you got to get a subscription to it or sign up with them. It doesn't cost you anything. But Marcus and Milchap, Collier, CBRE, ARA Newmark, all those big brokerages give you good information, a lot of data, a lot of stuff that they've put together. They've put time and effort into it. Now, I'll, I'll caution you. They give you a rosy outlook, right? They're always only showing you the positives. So take that for what it is, but it's a lot of good data for you. Then you need to digest and you need to dissect and you need to make sure that data is not misleading you in a different, you know, in a too positive of a direction. So I want to, that's why I want to look at the, you know, neighborhood scout, look at city data, uh, com. you know, go onto the city's websites, uh, look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, um, you know, really dig in. If I can get, if I have CoStar, if I have Yardi Matrix and I get those reports, great. Eventually though, you get to know some, some brokers and those reports you can get and you really want to dive in deep into these markets and Google, like, look, Google search, you can get quite a bit good, a bit of good information on there. You have to sift through it, but you can get quite a bit of good information on like just a simple internet search. And uh, census.gov also has some good population data. Yep. As well. Yep. Absolutely. Great. So I think, one of, the, cool. well, one of the biggest things is uh, don't necessarily follow the herd, right? The, the herd is their last, right? So everybody gets excited about a market. When everybody's excited and everybody's buying and the prices are being driven up and they've gotten to a, a higher point, you don't necessarily want to, that might be a good market today, but is it on this last leg? And then necessarily it's not to say, don't get into that market. I wouldn't tell anybody not to get into that market, but you got to really make sure the data is still telling you to get into that market because it's, it's really easy. A lot of people that the companies get in, they start doing really well, they're making a lot of money. The trend picks up and everybody starts buying. They run into it. They're buying real estate. They're going, they're going, they're going. And those big companies quietly exit the market or they've, they own, but they're not buying. So either they exit or they just hold, right? 
but nobody pays attention to them anymore because they're old news. Like, ah, they're, they're old. Uh, like they don't know what they're talking about anymore. Um, you know, whatever it is. And those companies that are smart, they have the data that, that understand the numbers. Like I said, they've either stopped buying or they've sold. And it's too late if you buy at the end, right? So you want to make sure you're paying attention to the data, you're paying attention to the numbers, and you're looking at it. The exuberance will continue well beyond the point of, ah, this is a market that we shouldn't be investing in. People are still excited about that market until it crashes, right? Until it goes the other way, pear-shaped. So you want to pay attention to that. And a lot of markets necessarily don't crash, but they just get that oversupply. You know, it, they, they hit a cycle. Every market hits cycles. Some market cycles are six years. Some market cycles are 60 years. Good. All right. Well, that's all I got. How about you? No, I think, uh, I think that covers most of it. Um, we can, yeah. I mean, just dig into the data, look at the trends, look at what's going on and formulate your own expert opinion. Don't rely on other people's experts opinion because look, how do you know they're right? And I think that's so important. Like you've got to look at other experts opinions, but you have to formulate your own as well. And that's so important. Exactly. I mean, because you know, other people could be wrong or not really look at things the, the same way as you do. Yeah. One thing, a couple last things. First of all, don't always be, once you find that good market, pay attention to the data, continue to look at the data, but don't always be looking for the next best thing. I think that's really important. You've got to establish relationships. You've got to continue to work hard in that market. So that's really important. Don't always be jumping around. Still pay attention to the data. Sometimes you are going to say, okay, now's the time to sell. I'm going to find the next market, but it shouldn't be like all the time, right? It, that, that's, a, you know, if you, if you're doing it right, you're getting in a market, you're staying in the market for five to probably 15, even longer years. It's not a one year thing. It's not a two year thing. You're not always looking for the next shiny object. That's really important. The other thing is don't look for just the cheapest market, right? Don't look for that market that has the highest cap rates, that has the cheapest real estate. I think that's really important. Uh, again, and I've said this before, I'll say it real quick here, but a five cap increases in value faster than a 10 cap, right? Uh, if I've had $100 of NOI increase on a five cap, um, I created $200 worth of value, where if I only have 100 if I have the same amount, 100 with a 10 cap, I've only created $100 worth of value. Um, so just understand that, that you create more value with that lower cap. Appreciating market makes a lot of sense. So. Good. All right, man. That's it. I could be on the soapbox for a while, but <laughs> I think uh, let's wrap it up. All right. Sounds good. All right, Matt. Well, yeah. Have a fantastic rest of the day. Make every day Saturday, man. Yeah, you too. All right. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. But your rating and review just helps us push this out to 
more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like, uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out. And, uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.